Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Outdoor PM School podcast, where we explore product management careers in the outdoor industry. We talk with PMs from top outdoor industry brands and ask them about their career path, what it's really like to be a PM, and any advice they would give others aspiring to follow the same path. My name is Dawson Westensko, and I'll be your host. During episode 10, I talk with Chris Bellamy, the product category manager of goggles and eyewear at Solomon. Chris started his career studying engineering at Cambridge. After four years working on the product team at Jaguar Land Rover, he made the move to North America while working at Weave, a startup focused on 3D printed insoles. Chris recently joined Solomon and made the move to France. This episode is brought to you by Betagraph Consulting, a fractional product management and sustainability consulting group based in Bozeman, Montana. Check out betagraph.co to learn more. Good morning, Chris, and welcome to the Outdoor PM School podcast. It's great to have you on the show. I'm really excited to share your unique background and experience with the audience. And to start, I would really love to hear more about your path into the industry and how you arrived at your current role as the product category manager of Goggles and Eyewear at Solomon. Amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I guess I've, uh, I've never had, I've certainly never dreamt of being a product manager. I grew up in a, a family of, of doctors and farmers and my brother became a vet and then I changed my ideas at the last minute to become an engineer. But I've never really known what I wanted to do in my career or life. And so I've really just stumbled through life by grabbing opportunities as they come along. And it's been a really beautiful path. Maybe I guess like a, a leaf blowing in the breeze a little bit. So yeah, I started out as an engineer and really found my feet uh, studying manufacturing, engineering and design. So I then went on to work for DMM, who design and make carabiners and climbing equipment and harnesses and so on. And for me, that was a real treat. And it, it was where I finally realized what engineering was and what I really wanted to do with it. And just the, the beauty and the simplicity of products, the passion of the people, the fact you were creating a product that enabled people to go outside and live a really great life uh, was incredibly, you know, incredible experience. But also the, the lifestyle at DMM where... Uh, you know, you've got the production floor downstairs where they're hot forging all the all the metal, and then in the loft upstairs you're in the design office. And so, if you want to, you know, understand something or learn something or whatever it might be, you can just walk down the stairs straight into the factory, and then you're surrounded by the mountains of Wales outside as well. You're at the foot of Mount Snowdon, so that really showed me just how good. Uh, it can be. And then since then, I've been on the really exciting path. I was at uh, Land Rover for a little while. And uh, I worked on a variety of projects, including vehicle interiors and a little bit of innovation and, and also some electric, electric car projects. And after a little while, wanted to change things up and very much believe, you know, for me, what I think I bring value in is connecting dots and connecting different experiences. And so rather than staying in the automotive industry for, for my career, I, I really wanted to do something new. So moved over to Canada and uh, consulted a little bit and actually ended up with a, with a startup doing custom fit 3D printed footwear, which is where, where we met. Yep. And then finally, uh, this year, I got the opportunity to come over to France and to join Salomon as the category manager for goggles and eyewear. 
And again, you know, it just seemed like that, you know, a totally new product, a totally new environment and culture, and also a little bit closer to closer to my roots and family being back in Europe. Um, yeah. So that's, that's where I am today. Yeah, very cool. Stepping back a little bit more to the beginning, because you started off looking at things, and again, I'd love to hear some more detail, very much in the sciences, right? Math, chemistry, physics, that's kind of where you got your start in your academic career. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I was studying engineering at Cambridge, and, and mm-hmm. Cambridge is about as academic as you can get. So it was, uh, yeah, deep into the, to the maths and physics and mechanics of, of how our world works and, and so on. Um, so yeah, it was a very, very scientific start for me. Yeah. And then one of the things that I was interested in here was it looks like you were a scholar for Bosch, which is a massive organization in Europe. I'm just curious what that, what that was like. Was that part of your academic career or was that starting off as sort of an internship with Bosch? Gosh, that was actually the only reason I ended up uh, t- uh, going into engineering. Uh, with, I, got, I got offered, a, I think it was a £250 scholarship part of a program in the UK and then did a, did a summer internship with Bosch, who obviously make the unit that I was in, they make heating boilers. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was a really exciting um, you know, internship for me. In fact, no, I don't know why I said that. It was nonsense. It wasn't exciting. It was a, <laughs> it was a company making uh, central heating boilers. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, and really, you know, I, I spent a couple of weeks there. And if I'm honest, I, I probably, it probably put me off engineering. It, it didn't have any excitement or interest for me, really, at that point. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I carried on the journey. And then when I went to DMM, and maybe that's it, maybe that's the... Um, you know, the joy of the outdoor industry, making central heating boilers, I realized wasn't for me. But yeah. uh, then actually, I met a chap and uh, he used to make, um, he worked for a furniture company. And uh, I don't know why I can remember this so clearly, but he showed me a cupboard he designed where he'd mimicked, he'd used the same mechanism from an aircraft door as the mechanism to close his, his furniture, uh, the, the door on his cupboard. And for me, that was when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is it. I, I, I want to do this. And I've got no idea why it was that thing. But maybe it's that, yeah. maybe it's that little piece about connecting dots where mm-hmm. you, know, you can take experience from one industry and apply it to another and, and make the world a little bit better. Well, and part of the reason that I was interested to hear about that experience is that early in my career, I worked for Hilti, which is a power tool manufacturer. And, and Bosch is a massive company that makes a lot of different types of product, but one of their divisions is power tools. So they were Mm -hmm. one of the main competitors of, of Hilti. And I had a very similar experience, not working on the engineering and design side, but purely on the product side where again, that great experience, you know, what I've found interesting is that for some people, it matters the product that you're working on. And for other people, it doesn't. Some people get, you know, they, they geek out enough on the engineering side of it or the, just the problem solving that it, again, if it's a power tool, if it's a boiler system, it makes less difference to them. But for me, I found that it did make a difference. And that experience early on kind of drove me in that direction. It sounds like it may have done the same for you, right? It pushed you away from the pure engineering side of things. And it said, if I'm going to use these skills, I would love to use them on product that I'm more passionate about. Right. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think I've thought about this a lot and I, I think it, it's possible to get really passionate about anything. Um, 
when I joined Land Rover, actually the first team I was put in was the the carpet team. And, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but the carpet is actually a huge area for innovation in the car. It's the the largest and heaviest component in any vehicle. Mm. And so, um, you know, while while it might not be glamorous, they, I think it's possible to find beauty in, in anything that you're working on. Um, the difference that I found was actually there creating something that, you know, your friends can use and love, that people recognize and work for a brand, and and also the passion of the people who work there. That was the real difference I found. But I think I can find joy in, in creating any product and the beauty in that. And then it's more about the, the very shallow elements of working for a you know, respected brand or, or seeing your friends out there using, using products that, that actually, uh, you know, probably for me makes the outdoor industry um, you know, a nice place to be. Yeah. And I also think there's an evolution that you inevitably go through as during your professional career, where maybe it's more important, even the brand, as an example, the brand may be more important to you at different points in your career. And to your point, you sort of learn to find the passion uh, and, and you, you figure out where you do find your passion. I agree. You can get excited and passionate about any product, but that's a, I just found that's sort of an individual journey. You know, for me, I agree. The first time I saw that product in the market where someone had actually purchased it, that really changed my view of, of the world, you know, it, which is a really a unique thing that is, is pretty interesting in being involved in consumer facing products. It's an incredible feeling when you see someone using one of your products particularly with something like climbing equipment where, you know, you're, you see someone and they're hanging off it and your product is helping them keep safe. And even better when people rave about your products and, how, and say how fantastic they are. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. You sort of had that experience of Bosch and then you moved on. And your first real position in the outdoor industry would be uh, at DMM, which, again, European climbing brand uh, out of the UK, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Based in, in Wales, actually. Yep. You got a, a taste for the industry. How did you get into that position? Because sometimes that can be the hardest thing for people to do. How do you break in? What's the first brand that you're associated with or role that you're associated with in product? Mm, fascinating, actually. Yeah, I was I was looking for internships and um, I didn't really know what to do. And I, I was a keen climber at the time. And I, you know, just on a whim, I, I read about how DMM had a factory in Wales and I thought, oh, you know, Wales is nice. I can, you know, I could go climbing after work and, you know, that would be really fun. So sent them an email, got no response. I think I sent four or five in the e- emails in the end. And then on my, on my last email, I just happened to, you know, think, oh, well, I'll, ju- I'll just send another note saying, did you get anything? And uh, Gethin, the, the, the chap there at the time, he, he responded and and then it all it all went from there so it's remarkable to think that you know those four or five emails you know if i hadn't sent that last one then you know none of this could have happened and life could have been very different but yeah i and it was actually one of the only things i i considered or applied to a few other engineering consultancies and things like that but yeah the serendipity or you know when you look at the the chances of of things that have happened in your life i i find it quite remarkable yeah, and I think that's a great example for people to understand that the persistence of, number one, going out of the normal process 
or the normal flow of, well, I just apply for a job online. Like how do you go above and beyond? And then you still have to have a little bit of luck and a little bit of good timing in order to make an opportunity. But I've just found that that combination is really common, obviously, in people that are able to differentiate themselves and, you know, move into the type of role that they want to find. It it usually takes some extra effort outside of kind of the standard process. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, for me, people always say, um, oh, Chris, you're, you're so lucky. You've always, you know, you've always had the, you know, the best things happen to you. And, and, and I don't think that's necessarily true. And I think it's more about being open to opportunities and it's, uh, it's about creating the opportunities and, you know, it's keeping your ear to the ground. And when you have that little thought or wonder if I wonder if this is possible, just, you know, when you're on that knife edge Ridge, instead of falling to the, I won't do anything side to the, Oh, I'll just, you know, jot a quick email or, Oh, I'll just go and talk to that person at the bar or whatever it might be. It's, it's that mindset of just creating and seizing those opportunities that I think, you know, means that really good things can happen. Yeah. That's a, it's a, such a good point and so valuable, I think, for people to understand that that's what it takes to being open and being proactive, right? Th- those two things together are, uh, you never know where you'll head unless you have those two elements uh, in your mindset. As you mentioned, you kind of went from DMM. The next major position you already mentioned was at Jaguar uh, Land Rover, and you were working on some of that, the interior components of, of cars. How was that shift for you? And maybe tell us a little bit more. You were still focused on the engineering side, but you've mentioned that it, there were some similarities between product management. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I guess the, the, you know, the process of designing a car is a very complicated one. I actually joined Land Rover on the, on the graduate program initially so that you, you know, you get to experience a huge number of different departments and teams and see, see what's going on around a business, which is a great opportunity to just learn, you know, how does marketing work? How does brand work? How does manufacturing work? And actually I think that's something that's very useful in the world of product management is, understanding all of the components of a product and how it's brought to life i think that was that was incredibly valuable for me and in terms of product management you know when when i finally settled into the to the world of engineering at at, at jaguar land rover you know really the whole the whole process um of of creating a car is a series of trade-offs um, you know, you've got all of the attributes that of a vehicle, whether it's good off-road or good on-road. <clears throat> is it spacious or is it compact? How does the driver feel? How does you know what materials and what quality does it have? And all the time, you're making trade-offs between the cost of the product, the time it takes to make it, and 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 the the quality of what you create. Um, but I think you said something beautiful to me last time we last time we were chatting, which was about how you can create anything but you can't create everything and that really for me captures the spirit of what it's like in automotive because you know that if you want you know you can go and do anything at all but it's always you know having to trade off against something else and so really a lot of the you know a lot of that process of creating a vehicle is is just about trade-offs and decision making yeah i i agree and i i do think that's fundamentally at the root of product management is helping organizations understand that, again, you can do anything, but there are probably things that you're 
that are most appropriate for the business or for the category. And it, and it, the same applies down at the product level and at the component level is you can change that product as much as you'd like, but it comes at a cost and there's always a, a wane of all these features. Like you said, you can make the car 3% faster, but that will come at costs that reverberate throughout the rest of, you know, so many different areas of the, of the car. You have to, you have to weigh those constantly. I'm sure an incredibly complex product to work on. Yeah. It's, um, the and I think you know with, with cars in particular, it it really teaches you that discipline of of making early changes. You know, making you know it's so much qu- quicker and cheaper to make a decision and a change early on than you know with a car. You're talking millions and millions and millions of of dollars to in tooling. And so, if you want to make a, a tweak or a change, it gets really expensive. And so, it really teaches you about the you know, the right time to make choices and decisions and the right time to, to shoot. And I, I had a, a director once and he always used to use the, the phrase slow aim, fast bullet. But I think it's a really nice way of thinking um, in that, you know, really take your time to, to, to focus and to think and to plan and, and review before pulling the trigger. And, and then once you do, you know, go fast and go straight. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, again, it's such an important lesson. A, f- a friend of mine now is a product manager at Black Diamond. He comes from an engineering background as well. And he crystallized this concept for me by drawing a chart, essentially showing uh, time on the bottom axis and choices on the other axis. And essentially, at the beginning of the project, at the beginning of your time horizon, you have all the choices in the world. Right. As soon as you start to put pen to paper, your choices go down. As soon as you start to make a physical prototype, your choices go down. And as you know, and then the further you get towards actual production, you can still change things, but they come at a tremendous cost in time and and usually in dollars. So, and I'm sure coming from the engineering background, because you're grounded in the in the physical, right, in in the the laws of physical product, that you learn that lesson very quickly, which is important in product management as well. Mm. Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely so you moved from you know you spent gosh almost four years at at jaguar land rover and then you moved over to weave which was a you know change in industry change in in the type of product uh change of location what did that look like for you i happened to bump into to the guys at weave and i was uh, living in a van and, and traveling around north america for a while and um Eventually, you know, they sent me a pair of their insoles to try and I sent them some, you know, some feedback. And I think at that point they realized that I was probably, you know, more than just a, a consumer and might be quite helpful and came to uh, came to see them and give them a bit more a bit more feedback and, and it ended up turning into a job. So, you know, again, those opportunities that pop up out of nowhere. But uh, and I think this goes back to, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about working on products that you don't necessarily love. One of the, the big projects I did at Weave was uh, we had created a, a custom fit 3D printed flip-flop. And uh, I have never worn flip-flops in my life. And um, I ended up, at the end of this entire project, I ended up running the Boston Marathon in, in, the, in a pair of flip-flops that we'd 3D printed. And so it's just funny how, you know, kind of the world goes round. And, and actually, I think it's, um, I think there's something important there, which is that, sometimes it's good to be a skeptic 
or to have the innocence of not knowing what you're doing. And I think, you know, when you come at something with a completely fresh approach, you know, if, if I were to design knitting needles, I'd probably design knitting needles completely differently to someone who'd spent years using existing knitting needles. And I think that's actually, you know, that innocence that comes from the, the novelty to a, to a product is, is really powerful sometimes. I think for me, that's what, you know, the joy of changing different industries, you know, so much in my career um, is that you always come with a fresh approach. And now I'm, I'm working on goggles and eyewear. And I, again, I, I really hate wearing sunglasses. Um, <laughs> me, uh, that, that really gives me this amazing perspective of, you know, I'm going to look at the outside and I'm going to look at our consumers and understand them and, and look at what they need. And rather than just basing things on your own opinion and your own experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever met anybody that's never worn flip-flops. So that's an interesting nugget for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> at least until working on that project and, and very cool story that you went from never wearing flip-flops to running the Boston marathon, uh, in a pair. That's, that's very cool. And, and Chris, so, and at weave again, just so everybody's clear, weave is the main mission of weave was really to democratize this 3d printing of insoles and it was definitely startup. It still is startup to some degree, but you were very early on in trying to solve this problem of how to actually 3D print insoles at scale. And, and again, even at this point, you weren't technically product management wasn't in your title, but you were helping to create this new product and process. And, you know, I'm sure you were stretched in a lot of different ways that you weren't stretched in other roles some that were more engineering focused and some that were really, again, very close to what a typical product manager would do. Yeah. And, and I think that's the joy of a, the joy of a startup is that, uh, you know, everyone mucks in and, and everyone takes the reins and, and, and does whatever's needed by the company to help at the time. So yes, one day you might be helping on the production line. Another day you might be filming a, you know, filming something for marketing and, you know, that's, it's really, you know, that's a great thing about working in a startup is you get to solve urgent problems in any area of the business. And it gives you great, a great exposure to that. So, yeah, it, it felt great being able to use all the skills in manufacturing and using the skills in product development, as, as well as a whole host of other skills. So, yeah, a startup is a, a great environment to, to learn a really wide range of things. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of skills that, you know, actually, as a product manager, you do. As a product manager, you've, you've got to have a really diverse skill set or, or, you know, the broader understanding you can have of, of the process, the better. And a startup enables you to, to gain that very, very, very quickly, which is um, a great opportunity. Yeah. And so what was now you're, you know, you're in your first role that is officially has the, the product management or category management title. Uh, even though you've been doing similar roles in the past, what was that like shifting from a small startup where you were sort of wearing a lot of hats to shifting to a larger organization like Solomon, where you're more, you know, squarely focused on the more product management type functions? What's been the biggest shift for you? I think it's in terms I've always found people always say that in a, in a, you know, a large company has lots of bureaucracy and, uh, you know, there's lots of red tape and restrictions and so on. And I just haven't found that to be the case at all. Um, people always talk about a startup being liberating because you can make changes and you can, cr- you know, you can create things and it w- operates faster. 
and yeah, for me, that just has, hasn't been the case. And I think it's possibly about the, you know, the mindset that you take. Um, in a startup, there aren't any rules, so you don't have to break them. But in a larger company, uh, there might be rules there, but I, I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean where he said they're not rules, they're more guidelines. But <laughs> um, you know, for me, the, if you take the approach in a, in, a, in a large company of the rules are there to, to make your life easier, and if it's easier for you to break them, then you choose when is the right time to break them. And that has, you know, for me, I've never found bureaucracy to be an issue uh, in a large company. And, and Land Rover, I think, is, you know, 35,000 employees or something like that. Solomon, we're, you know, we're around 1,000 employees. But I've never found bureaucracy uh, or decision-making to be an issue. And I think the, the key thing is to feel the ownership and feel like you can be responsible and that you're not at the the mercy of other people. And it's your job to to influence and to guide and to really to to find ways to get what you want. And so I've actually, uh, you know, after working in a startup, um, what I've found is that working in larger companies, really just the the number of resources and opportunities that you have available are much more accessible. So Mm. while working at Weave as a startup, you know, we, we didn't have many internal resources or much experience. And so I ended up, you know, trying to build a network in the footwear industry in, in North America to support and help understand and, and to create those opportunities. And I had to do that externally to our business. And inevitably, that's much, much harder. And after, after uh, you know, having about three years at Weave, I was finally starting to feel like, okay, I've, you know, I've got people who I can call for advice and and you know people are starting to come to us with opportunities because we've got that network but um it's just so much easier to do that within a within a large organization and you know whether that's talking to someone in your footwear department and collaborating with them to share a new material or whether that's uh you know working with your you know your brand and marketing team to create a new opportunity working in the automotive industry so I, i think actually for me um, you know, large company, small company, it's much more about your mindset and mm-hmm. that makes a difference to, to what you're working on. Well, and I do 100% agree that the biggest in my experience, and again, it depends on your mindset and on your preference for how to work. But what I've found much more important is that ownership aspect. And if you have ownership, it doesn't matter what size the company is that you're working with. And if you don't have ownership, Again, it doesn't matter the size of the company you're working with. There can be three people versus a thousand people. And it's really what level of ownership do you have as a product manager that, uh, in my mind, drives a lot of your success or fulfillment or ability to impact the business. Um, and that's really critical. Definitely, definitely. And it's, um, I think that's one of the things that's really stunned me at Salomon. I mean, it's, it's my first role as a, officially a product manager. And um, the, you know, I was expecting to come in and for there to be, you know, an element of structure or process. And, and, and there is that, but really, you know, we have total ownership over what we want to do and where we want to take it. And while that's, you know, it was pr- it's been pretty overwhelming for the last six months, but now it's really, now I understand, um, you know, it's incredibly liber- liberating. It's really like you've got your, you know, your own startup and your own business and, 
you know, sure, there's constraints you've got to meet to, you know, to respect the other parts of the business and the, and the needs of the business. But you really have that ownership to, to, to build your product line as you, as you would like. Yeah, very cool. So I think one question I didn't ask was, how did you make that transition to Solomon? Was, uh, what was that process? Was that serendipitous or was that just applying to an online posting or how, how did that come about? I was always trying to network within the footwear industry. Um, as part of my role at Weave, we were creating this 3D printing custom technology um, and you know, looking to partner with footwear companies. And uh, I, maybe I shouldn't admit to this, I don't know, but I found sometimes that one of the best ways to, um, to get in and, and meet people was, was actually just to apply for a job somewhere and go for an interview and then <laughs> admit that you weren't really interested in a job, but you'd love to talk to them more and get to know them. Right. Um, which, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was actually one of, uh, yes, I guess that's how it ended up with, with Salomon, really, in that I, I applied for a job that I had no interest in, in doing, really. Um, and it was it was sort of just out of intrigue and, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get a contact there and maybe I can have a nice conversation with someone who works for this, works for this company. And yeah, I ended up going through Europe and France on a business development trip and swung by to pop in for a, for a quick interview or, or for me, it was just a a stealthy way to go and have a chat and to walk around and see their offices because I I always find an office space is quite exciting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, we met and and things really kicked off, and uh, they ended up, uh, you know, creating an opportunity that that really fitted my skills and experiences. Um, so it was yeah, a funny story of, of of how it all came to life, really. Yeah, it's a great story. Again, you've been in this role for a little while. What is your favorite part of the product management or category management role? It's the definitely the variety. Um, and variety in the ownership. So I think that, you know, for me, one day uh, we'll be writing a script for a, for a marketing video. The next day we'll be talking to our markets and getting feedback uh, on the commercial side of the business. Another day we might out, be out testing and listening to, to customers about what they want and need. And another day we might be sat there with a pencil sketching ideas for how to attach a piece of foam or how to make a how to make a component recyclable or from a from a recycled material so i think for me it's that it's really that variety that that makes the the process of 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 the job uh really really enjoyable and then you know all of the the icing on the cake of the you know the characters and the people that you work with um being part of a you know a team that really just help everyone achieve more than they could ever possibly achieve on their own um, yeah, all that, all that's the icing on the cake, but it's that, it's that variety and uniqueness and, uh, you know, every day is a surprise and a new challenge. And, and that really, uh, I find it very exciting. Yeah, I agreed. And as, as you've worked with all these different people in product and in different types of product, have you seen any common threads, common elements that make someone successful in this type of role? From, from what I've seen is, is the people who, are able to, you know, it doesn't matter how good your idea or your product or your innovation or whatever it might be is, if people around you don't believe in it. And I think for me, you know, what I've seen, the biggest thing for success is really being able to turn something into a compelling idea and and turn something into a compelling idea that people can get behind, that they can be excited to work on and has a really clear powerful vision 
to work towards. Um, and I think, you know, one of the best per- people who I ever met at doing that was um, actually he's uh, the engineering director at Land Rover. And we were working on the replacement for the Land Rover Defender. And obviously an impossible task to replace such an iconic vehicle uh, was incredibly difficult. And I'll always remember that, you know, one time he was there with the team and he just, he said, we, what we want to do is we want to take the old Defender, just like they did with the Mini, and they embodied all of the character of the old Mini, but made it using new materials and new processes to make it even better. That's what we want to do with the Defender. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave the really powerful example of, you know, around the same time, you had two iconic vehicles. You had the Mini and you had the VW Beetle. And mm-hmm. in the late 90s they started to look at how could they you know do a modern version of them and the mini and the beetle were both launched around the same time the mini ended up selling about 10 times the number of cars you know why was it so successful and you compare it and it really it was just about you know the character that they embodied and, and with the new vw beetle they didn't embody the right character and and turn that into a you know a modern product that had that same personality uh, whereas with the Mini, that's what they did. And so as soon as you know, he, he created that compelling vision for this is what we're going to do with the, you know, with the new Defender, everyone could get behind it. Everyone believed in it. And, and the product launched uh, this year, I believe. Yeah, this year. So, yeah, I think that for me is a, a, an incredible skill, is turning, turning lead into gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think communication and the ability to communicate ideas effectively and to, you know, again, it's leading through influence and, and bringing people around your vision is such a crucial part of, of being successful. Totally agree with you on that. Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned this one project sounds like a really fun and interesting project to work on. But as you look back at all the product you've worked on, is there one or two that stand out as being the products you're the most proud of or that you enjoyed working on the most? One of the first products I worked on was the, the dragon cam at DMM. And, uh, it's a, you know, a, a cam that you put in the rock and it, and it pr- creates an anchor for you. And for me, you know, that was, I think, you know, that I, I maybe it's because I'm attached to it as, you know, one of the first products I worked on, but the, the engineering beauty and simplicity, but the, you know, the innovation and elegance that, elegant solutions that that are on that product for me were really special but i think if i had to pick my my favorite project so far it would without a doubt be the the jaguar i-pace which is the jaguar electric vehicle that was launched a, a few years ago and why that was so enjoyable was we were starting really with a blank sheet of paper there were no constraints over architectures of vehicles over you know engines or or existing components and you really had a blank slate to go and and create the best possible product you could and working out those trade-offs and uh you know how to create the best product and what did people even want in a product and going out there and talking to consumers and understanding the real you know movement and changes in this world was such a fascinating process and one of my favorite memories was you know, trying to make these impossible trade-offs between aerodynamics and weight and comfort and space inside the car. And I actually ended up doing it, um, turning it into a game because it was so impossible to do just on uh, it through normal processes. So we ended up giving everyone on the project uh, poker chips 
and every choice we had on the car had a had a certain price um and people then paid with their poker chips for the various different features on the car for me that really you know was just a really special moment uh, empowering everyone to be able to go and design their own car and trade off and make their own decisions so yeah i think you know that as a car and now whenever i see one on the road i really get a huge kick out of of seeing all of the choices that were made on that project and knowing how they how they came to life yeah that's a great story of of again forcing that discussion about trade-offs and really helping the organization make those decisions and i think that's one thing that that people misunderstand sometimes you're making the decisions but many times it's helping to bring forward the right decisions and help the organization work through the best way to solve that or the best way to answer that so really, really great example there. Um, I also wanted to ask you, I don't know if you are a big reader. I wanted to ask, are there any books that you've read that have really, you found really compelling or have helped how you think about product or formulated the way you think about um, business? I, I'm actually an incredibly slow reader. Um, I think I'm second percentile in terms of reading speed. So I generally get through about one book a year, which is uh, a little bit embarrassing. I think for me, where do I learn the most from? And and it's from people, whether that is uh, a mentor or talking to other people in, in your business or your community, or just going and talking to, to consumers. That for me has really been the richest source of learning throughout my career. One of the first things I did was, uh, you know, when I joined Solomon six months ago, was to say, right, let's just go and talk to customers. I've got no idea about goggles or glasses and, and what this industry is. So we just went out and talked to as many people as we could. That learning of what's important to people. And, and I think, you know, yes, you can learn processes and tools and, and, and everything to, to support you. But, you know, you're creating products for people. And therefore, really, the most important thing you can learn about is, is the people and how they work, how they think, how they live, and um, learning as much from that as possible. So, yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, that really has been the best place of learning is through talking to people and observing people and um, been a really lovely process. It's one of my favorite parts of the job. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think when you become an expert in a specific category, there's sort of a trap that happens because you can start to think that you know everything about the category or everything about what the customer wants or needs. And so you inevitably depend a little bit less on that direct interaction with the customer. And that's one thing that I that I personally have enjoyed in my career as well. I have this need to switch between categories and types of product. Part of it is a personal learning, but part of it is it gives you that learner's mind going in and really, you know, again, you you say, hey, I don't really know everything about footwear. I don't know everything about insoles, so I really need to learn and dig in and talk with people. and uh, And that's harder to do when you stick in the same category for uh, not not that you can't do it, but it's it's harder, I think. Yeah. And that learning process is, um, I think, one of the, the most challenging parts is, is always that, you know, that period of really feeling incompetent and really feeling like an imposter and not knowing how something's made or, or what's important and, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable and getting comfortable, you know, asking those questions that you think are stupid. Yeah, that's definitely one of the most challenging things, but one of, you know, something that can really bring the best results. Yeah, absolutely. 
So this has been great, um, been really wonderful to learn about your background and kind of hear your experiences. I wanted to ask you one more question, and that is what advice would you give for people who are looking at your career and saying, oh, man, I would love to work for Solomon and, and get into product. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think for, for me, get stuck in, um, you know, really just start whatever it might be, whatever product or or project you can work on and really you know whatever your whatever role or company you're in my experience has been the, the best times are when i've always never been afraid of losing my job and as soon as you start behaving you know of pursuing what you find interesting and what you think is the future and what you think is valuable to the company no one is ever going to criticize you or or get rid of you because you're doing something new and exciting and 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 might be the future and so i think you know from my perspective don't be afraid to go and pursue those ideas don't be afraid to go and do something a little bit differently and you know people it might you know have some challenges at the start but once people realize what you're doing people will start to get behind you and you can really start to almost define your own role and define what value you you add and bring to the company um so I, I know that stands a little. That probably sounds a little bit of a of a strange strange piece of advice. The other thing I'd find as well is um, is is play to your strengths. I've got a very slow reading speed, and I'm you know really really struggle with words sometimes. And 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 for me, you know, means play to my strengths and and work in a way that you you know you can perform the best based on who you are and what you're good at. And don't try and force yourself into a box um, because, you know, because that's the way you think you should work. And I think just being comfortable being who you are and, and doing what you want to do is, is, is really important. Yeah, man, I think both of those are fantastic advice for anybody wanting to get into product management and just careers in general. What you just described is the way that you create opportunities for yourself. Right, the, having that mindset of going out and sort of trying to do things different, and also leveraging your strengths in whatever role you're in, will lead you to success in whatever path you you choose to go down. Absolutely agree. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. It's been great to catch up and and learn more about what you've been doing, and and I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what you do at Solomon in the future, and and what awesome product you come out with. So thanks again for your time today. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by OutdoorPMSchool.com, an eight-week online course designed for aspiring outdoor industry product managers. Check out OutdoorPMSchool.com to learn more about who we are and how we can help you.